For showing up. It dawned on me. I was like, oh, appreciate no it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> but not for anyway. hours would we sing it. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Anyways, happy Mother's Day. Glory to God. Happy Mother's Day. Glory to God. It's so good to see everybody. Everybody looks so pretty in the house this morning. Or handsome, our men are handsome. Uh, coming up, the end of the month, uh, the Keatons will be here. And I know it's Memorial Day weekend, but plan to be here as much as you can. If you can't, we understand that. They understand that. Um, it's just how the schedule worked out for them to be here that weekend. Uh, but they'll be here Friday night at 7, and then Saturday at 10 a.m. and 7. And they're mindful of time. They're not going to have you in service for, you know, five hours <laughs> each time. No, they're very mindful about, you know, uh, the spirit and the mind can only receive what the butt can endure. <laughs> uh, so they're, they're mindful about that. And then Sunday, of course, uh, they'll be here for our Sunday morning service at 10 a.m. And uh, they'll also be here Sunday at 6, which is our normal healing school time. Um, I don't know if they'll teach on healing in that service. When the Keatons come, we give them free course to, to preach and uh, do what the Holy Ghost says. So we don't put any demands on them whatsoever. And then June 3rd, uh, we'll have prayer for the nation at 8, 8 a.m. And then the following Saturday, June 10th, I don't mean to take up all your weekends, but, you know, sometimes God just has to come first. Uh, but June 10th, we're going to do a water baptism and cookout. We're going to do this down at uh, Jack Rabbit in Hayesville. They have a real nice uh, beach area and a picnic area. Because I told Mike, Pastor Mike, I said, I don't care where we do it, but if you make me wear... Uh, mud waders because I can't handle my feet in the mud we're going to have a problem so <laughs> I just I uh, just I don't handle that well Jesus uh so they have a real nice beach area we'll be off to the side I'm not gonna you know I told Pastor Mike I said don't worry I'm not going to dress them in baptismal ro robes and go to the beach and make everybody stop what they're doing and parade them down the center of the beach I'm not doing that to anybody we'll we'll just you know it'll be just a nice as far as they know we're going swimming and we'll just dunk you and praise you and Duncan, baptize you, and it'll be fine. If some people are paying attention, they'll know what's going on, but and that it's not going to be noticeable. We're not going to make a big show of it. Uh, but after that, we are going to do a cookout. And part of the reason that I really wanted to do like a cookout with this is because water baptism is supposed to be a public declaration. It's something that you need to invite your friends, your family to, those people that have you been that you've been working on to come to church. That, this is an event that you can invite them to and say, listen, I'm getting water baptized. This is a really big deal for me, uh, and it's important for me to have you there. Um, and then that way you get to give a, a quick testimony of what the Lord's done for you in your life. Um, and so it's, it should be a big deal. It should be a big deal. Um, and I know it's Mother's Day, but we're going to talk about it today. 
Um, and then, uh, glory to God, just a quick note in the, in the bulletins. Um, we have people all the time that are like, you know, can we get your, where can we find you on the Internet? Well, you can go to discipleshouse.faith, one word. Uh, if you go to discipleshouse.online, it takes you immediately to our sermon page. You don't have to click on other stuff. It just goes right to it. You can also get our sermons on through podcast at iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, and uh, you can even download the sermon.net app and subscribe through that, and you can get our sermons that way also. So we make it as, we try to make it as easy for you as you can. And then uh, we're back to having our meditations for the week. You know, remember meditations are something uh, that we just run over and over in our mind. We just run it over and over. We speak it out of our mouth. One of my favorite ways to meditate, you know, the last two weeks I gave you um, a way to meditate. Say it seven times. Think on it for seven minutes. Do that three times a day. Uh, I mean, do it three times in a row. It takes you about 30 minutes. And then go about your day, and you'll find after seven days that things gotten down in you, and you start really thinking on it and meditating on it. Another way that I like to do it is I just, I just speak the Scripture over and over and over and over and over and over again until I get it down on the inside, and then I'll start talking to God about it. So, uh, you know, everybody has a different way of meditating, but the point of meditation is speak it and think on it over and over and over. So uh, every week we give you uh, a scripture that you can meditate on that talks about who you are in Christ. Um, and we also give you one that talks about um, that God wants you healed. And so this week we have uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, because honestly it's one that many of us don't fully understand. Um, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That word creature means a new creation, or it means a, it means a new uh, being that has never existed before. And um, how much do you know, uh, until you come into Christ, the you that you are now, after you come into Christ, has never existed before. And the other thing about this new creature is we walk and work and activate in this life like no other person on the planet because we operate by the Spirit. And so it's something totally new. So let's confess this together. I have received Christ. Therefore, I am a new creation. My old life is passed away. God has made me new. I mean, if you'll just think on that, meditate on that for a while, man, you'll be shouting and singing and running and jumping before you know it. Um, the, uh, the healing scripture that I picked for today is one that we stand on all the time. We love it. It's just powerful. Uh, and that's 1 Peter 2.24, which says, uh, Who his own self bear our sins in his body. On the tree, you know, Jesus took every sin that we have ever committed or that we will ever commit on his body so and, and suffered the consequence of that sin, which is sickness, death, and disease, and or sickness, disease, and death, ultimately. And so he, he carried all of that on his body so we don't have to. And it says, and the reason he did this is that we, being dead to sin, in other words, because of what Jesus did at the cross, we don't have to sin all the time. We don't have to sin anymore, actually. It said, and then it says, uh, should live unto righteousness. Well, if you're not sinning, you're living righteously. 
by whose stripes we were healed. And here's the deal. If you were healed, you are healed. If you were healed, then you are healed. Uh, so let's confess this together. Jesus carried my sin in his own body so that I can live dead to sin and alive unto righteousness. He was striped so that I am now healed. Glory to God. Glory to God. We are now healed. Thank you, Jesus. Well, as far as we know, Pastor Mike will be driving home Tuesday, so he'll be back in the house on Wednesday. And uh, I talked to him last night and uh, after he got off work, and I said, are you okay? And he, I, he, he sounded kind of pitiful. I said, you sound kind of pitiful. Are you just tired? He said, yeah, I'm kind of tired. I said, are you sure you're okay? You sound pitiful. He said, yeah. I don't think he wanted to admit that he was just a little bit homesick. <laughs> so I said, well, you get some sleep. You'll be home soon. He said, okay, that sounds good. So we'll pray, and Derek will lead us in our confession. And when we do our confession, say it like you mean it. I know that you'll, you'll say some of these things and say, well, that's a lie. But just say it like you mean it, and eventually it'll get down on the inside of you, and it'll become a reality to you. So, Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your comfort. We thank you for your blessings beyond measure father we just glorify you father we just praise you father we just magnify you and father as we approach you today as we approach your word today father we thank you that you give us a spirit of wisdom revelation and knowledge that you teach us and train us in the ways that we should go as a parent should their child and father we thank you for it in jesus mighty name and all of god's people said amen and amen brother Derek, come on lead us Good Thank morning, you, Father. House. How are Good. you guys today? Glory, glory, Happy glory. Glory, glory, glory. All right, let's do, let's do our confession together. I am the image, image of, of God. God. I am spirit, spirit and, flesh. and flesh. I am very, very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am, I am more, more than, than a conqueror. conqueror. I am, I am an, an overcomer, and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God 
by the blood of Jesus, I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. In that spirit of the confession, just think. Think about how good God is. That's what I want you to think about when you sing these songs. Your praise. 
church. Talk to your soul. That's your mind. That's your emotions. That's your thoughts. So come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. You've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. You've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, spirit, tell your soul what to do. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your tongue. You've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Father God, we sing with our spirit.
you are. We thank you for all that you do. Father, we glorify you and we magnify you. Father, we're so thankful to be in the house today. Father, we give you glory and honor and praise. And Father, as we endeavor to pursue your plans and your purposes for this service, Father God, we ask that you lead us, that you guide us, that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a spirit to receive the good word of the, the good word onto the good ground of our hearts. And, Father, we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Let's say this together. Father God, I have ears to hear. I have eyes to see. I have a receptive heart. And I am ready for revelation, wisdom, and understanding. So, Father, grant me the spirit of seeing and knowing that I may walk in the truth and the fullness of your word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Well, turn around and greet somebody. Tell them you're happy to see them. You're glad that they're here, that you appreciate them. Glory to God. I'm going to come down here and greet these young ladies. I didn't get to give you a hug this morning, so get up and give me a hug. Good morning. Good morning. Miss Liv, I didn't get to meet you formally last Hi, week. Liv. Hi, Liv. It's very nice to meet you. I'm so glad you're here with us. Absolutely. Miss Bridget, happy Mama's Day. Glory to God. <laughs> well, we don't need you, we don't need you uh, cutting off your toes in church. That's not a good thing. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. 
Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We praise you, Father. We honor you. We glorify you. Well, it's Mother's Day, and we want to honor the mothers in the house. And, uh, and uh, real quick, let's turn to Proverbs 31. We all know this, um, but it's good to remind ourselves, not every woman uh, is a right and proper uh, woman or mother according to the rule of God and in this house we endeavor to be uh, the help the helpmate that God created us to be uh, in this house we um, created God you know in this house we work to fulfill what God called us to um, and the only way we can do that is to be in Christ um, but in Proverbs 31 um, we see here, if you look at verse 1, it says, The words of King uh, Lemuel, uh, the prophecy that his mother taught him. So his mother taught him what a good woman uh, would be. And I find it interesting that she said, uh, What my son, and what the son of my womb, and what the son of my vows. In other words, uh, she was asking her son, What are you thinking? <laughs> what are you doing? He's, and then she told him, she said, Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to, the, uh, to that which destroyeth kings. Now, he, his mother wasn't telling him, don't get involved with a woman. He was, she was telling him, uh, don't get a, you know, make sure that the woman you get connected to is a woman of value. And we see that as he goes through here. And so I know today's Mother's Day, but for a minute I want to talk to my young ladies uh, who are not yet married, who are not yet uh, mothers and what have you. You know, a lot of times, um, you know, you're like, oh, Mother's Day. I'm, I'm going to come to church and not get anything. No, actually, we're not even going to preach on mothers except for this little part right here. Um, but you, got, you, got, you ladies need to be working towards being a Proverbs 31 woman. And I'm going to tell you right now, for somebody that's been married uh has, who has completed 32 years of marriage and is working on her 33rd year of marriage, uh, don't rush it. Don't rush. Don't, don't go out and get you a feller just because you're lonely. Don't go out and get you a feller just because uh, you think, well, if I can just get me a man, he'll, he'll love me and, and fix all my issues. No. What you'll do is you'll get that man and you'll cause him to be just as broken as you are. You will. You will. No, learn to stand up on your own two feet. Learn to be okay by yourself. Learn to stand. Learn to be. Because here's the deal. You were called and created to be a helpmate, ladies. Did you hear me? You were called and created to be a helpmate. But if you are the one always needing and always taking from the husband, you can't be a helpmate. All you are is dead weight. We don't need to be dead weight. We don't need to be dead weight. And I'm speaking from experience because I actually got married very young. Uh, I got married uh, one week after my 19th birthday to Pastor Mike. 
And I'm telling you right here and right now, it's only by the grace of God. We've been married 32 years, fixing to be 33. It's only by the grace of God, and it's only because, listen to me, despite not being taught properly, God supernaturally got him filled with the Holy Ghost and praying in other tongues, and he literally prayed, uh, he and I, through the nightmares of marriage because we got married too fast. We got married when both of us came out of broken homes and were not ready to be married, and uh, neither one of us knew how to be happy. In fact, we went for cir- we went in circles round and round because he couldn't be happy unless I was happy, and he couldn't, and I couldn't be happy unless he was happy. And if you're both trying to make each other happy, and and tell the other one's happy, you're gonna be you can't be happy. Ain't nobody ever gonna be happy. Never. We didn't learn how to be happy with one another until we both learned how to stand on our own two feet. And uh, when you're trying to do that in a marriage, it's hard. It's hard. Uh, so he said, he, so he's, so what, uh, his mother, the prophecy that his mother taught him was, uh, son, take your time. Don't get just any woman. And, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, I'm not being mean. I'm not being ugly. Don't, don't belittle me. You know, don't get mad at me. But I'm telling you right now, if one of you, if y'all go and pick Miss Liv, I don't know you personally, but I'm talking about these girls and I can guess and imagine, uh, some things. Uh, but here's the deal. If you come, he hopping in here next week with a boyfriend on your arm and say, this is the one, I'm going to look at him and say, uh, she ain't the one because she ain't ready. She ain't the one because she ain't ready. Take your time. Get ready. Well, I, pastor, that's just me. No, I'm trying to help you. The job of a pastor is to is to protect you. Protect you. Now, I mean, if you really want to push it, then okay, we'll be there for you. I tell you to pray a lot. <laughs> Anyways, he says, she said, "Give not to the strength unto a woman." In other words, don't let some woman rule over you. Is what she was telling her son. Uh, he is. She says, "It is not for kings, O Lemuel. Uh, it is not for kings to drink wine." Uh oh. Uh oh. Don't be drinking wine. Nor for princes, for, or, or nor for prince, strong drink. Don't drink. Now, you got to understand Old Testament words. What he was saying here is don't drink the fermented grapefruit or the, 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 the fermented fruit juice, which they call kefir today. And don't drink the, song, the strong drink, which is the stuff that's in the bottles that you buy on the shelves today. In other words, she said, unless it's juice of the vine, don't drink it. Lease thy drink and forget the law. He said, he, she said, you go drinking, you're going to forget the law. And prevent the judgment of any of the afflicted. He, in other words, your judgment's going to be thrown off. You're not going to see her for what she is. Uh, give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish. Why? Because that stuff's poison. They're, gonna, they're, they're, they're in process of dying. And he, in other words, that was a mercy thing back in their day. It was a mercy thing. And wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Again, that's not alcoholic wine. That's not what he was talking about. He said, uh, let them drink and forget, let him, let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. In other words, she's saying, yeah, they can drink that stuff, the liquor, hard liquor, and it'll cause them to forget. 
Open thy mouth for the dumb and cause of and cause of all such as are appointed to destruction. In other words, she, basically what she was saying is these people that are drinking to forget their woes, their destruction, their destruction. So, you know, I, I'm sorry to say it. Some people pick their spouse because they like to party with them. Don't pick your spouse because you like to party with them. They're going to lead you to destruction. Man, I thought this was Mother's Day. Don't worry, we're getting, it's going to get better here in a minute, I promise. I promise. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. And then she says, so basically she was saying, these women are a problem. Instead, she said, who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. In other words, if you can find a woman that has virtues has values, has morals, has standards, then uh, she's a very costly, uh, her value is, is far, is very, very uh, high. Um, that's, why, that's why you ladies need to dress modestly. You need to protect yourself. You need to treat yourself like you're a, like you're a very expensive diamond in a jewelry store, under armed guard, under a glass case, where nobody can touch just because they want to touch. Uh, because your value is high. It says, the heart of her husband doeth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Uh, you want to do good um, and, and all the days of your life and his life. She uh, seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. In other words, this is a woman that is not going to plan to sit on the couch and eat bonbons all day. This is a woman that's actually going to help you. Okay? So if you women or if you young ladies are thinking, man, I just need somebody that will take care of me, you're wrong. You're supposed to take care of him, help him. Uh she is like the merchant ship. She bringeth forth food from afar. Yep, that's right, ladies. It's wisdom to cook your husband's meals. Uh, they work hard. Uh, she, raises, uh, she rises also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her, to her household and a portion of her, of her maidens. Listen, there's a, there's a reason us women don't sleep a lot. There's a reason we don't sleep a lot. Because God created us to be a help to the husband. And, uh, and there's a reason that the men fall asleep just like that. It's so us ladies can get the other stuff done. <laughs> That's why. That's why. Don't get mad because he sits down and falls asleep. Just know you can get your work done in peace. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Glory to God. Come on. Uh, she... <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I don't even know what verse we was on. <laughs> oh, 16. Okay, good. Wow, I'm glad y'all are watching. <laughs> she considereth the field and buyeth it. Listen, women are busy. God created you to be business women. To be business women. With the fruit of her hands, she planteth the vineyard. Women are supposed to get out there and work those tillers. <laughs> he said, hey, now, hey, hey, all right? I, no, we don't need to get run over. But we do, we are supposed to work. Our, we are, the women are supposed to work. Uh, she girded her loins with strength and strengthened her arms. How much, you know, carrying them babies around, that takes a lot of effort. 
And not just, and I'm not just talking physical arms. I'm talking emotional arms. I'm talking uh, uh, mental support, supporting these children, helping these children. It takes a lot of support to run a household. Um, she perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. In other words, at the end of the night, she's not just, that's it, I'm never getting out of the bed again. Uh, she's still got more to go. She's still got more to give. Uh, she layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold um, the, the staff. She stretches out her hands to the poor, yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. Not only is she working, but she's also helping those in need. She is not afraid of the snow uh, uh, for her husband, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. What does that mean? That means her household is covered in the blood of the lamb. They're covered in prayers. They're covered in the blood of the lamb. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing uh, is silk and purple. In other words, she knows how to dress her family. She's gifted in that. Uh, her husband is known in the gates when she sitteth among the elders of the land. This does not mean, listen, this does not mean that when her husband goes out in the land, their talk to the men is, man, and that woman's wife is such a floozy and she gets around no, when he goes out in public, the word is he's got a good wife. She takes care of him. I mean, he's got it made with her. That's, that's what it means. Uh, they talk well about his wife. Uh, she maketh fine linen and sells it and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchants. Again, she's a businesswoman. Not only is she working the fields and making money off of that, but and, and, and making garments and making off of that. But she's also uh, making uh, clothes here, too. She made clothes earlier. Uh, strength and honor are her clothing, and she, um, and she shall rejoice in the time and time to come. Listen, uh, mothers, ladies, you young ladies, you need to be people of honor. What it means to be clothed in honor is you do things well. You treat people well. You treat people with respect. There is a plague and an epidemic in our nation where these women think that they just need to be hard batuties, and that's not that, that doesn't bring honor. That doesn't bring honor at all. She opened her mouth uh, with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. In other words, a, a, a virtuous woman is a woman that's always at doing work. She's always at, she's always sitting, she's always on the go. She's always on the move, which I know drives the men a little crazy, but God created them to, created them to be a helpmate. But at the same time, ladies, you need to sit down and not stress your husbands out from time to time. Uh, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also... And her, um, and he praises her. You don't want, ladies, you don't want your men talking down to you. Listen, young ladies, this is where I started with the young ladies. If you've, got a, if you've got a man that you're looking at to be your husband and he tears you down and he talks bad about you to your face or to others, he's not the one. He's not the one. Oh, you know, he'll tear you down and say, oh, honey, I'm just joking. Man, send that boy to the curb. Just send him to the curve. Just go on with yourself. Many daughters have done virtuously, 
but thou excellest them all. Favor is uh, deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord shall be praised. Give her, uh, give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Listen, young people, work on being a, a Proverbs 31 woman. Uh, us older ladies, we have not come to perfection yet. Let us work on these areas also. Let us work on them also. Um, I, last week we were talking about baptism. We're talking about baptism again. But I made a comment last week um, about uh, a situation that we had in our youth group at one point in time. And uh, I said this. I said, you know, um, we had an issue where our young people thought uh, that it was the job of the parents to just give them life on a silver platter. And when the parents weren't giving them life on a silver platter, they got all uh, discontented and discombobulated and were threatening to call uh, the, the police and, and, and uh, defects and all that on their parents. And I was like, listen, y'all have it made. Y'all have it made. Y'all don't, don't understand. I, and I asked him, I said, do you have a bed? Well, kind of, but you have a bed. Yeah, I have a bed. Do you have clothes? Yeah, I have clothes. Do you get fed? Yeah, I get fed. I said, then police ain't going to do nothing to you. Are, you. are you beaten? Are you bruised? I said, you know, I said, I said, are you beaten? They said, well, yeah, I got spanked. I said, no, honey. I said, I didn't talk about spanking. Did they leave, did they leave a mark? No, they didn't leave a mark. Uh, did, did they, you know, I mean, you might be a little red, but, you know, on your rear end. But, you know, what am I talking about? I, you know, did they abuse you? Did they beat you? Did they tear you down? Did they try to drown you? Anything like that? Well, no. Well, then you ain't got a leg to stand on. I said, let me tell you what the word says. So we, I mean, this was an ongoing problem, so we had to have a, uh, we, we had a parent and youth night one night, and we called in the parents, and we put the parents on one side, we put the youth on the other side, and I said, now, let's go to the Word of God and find out what the responsibility is. Go to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. I used one verse to sign, to, to sum up the job of a parent and one verse to sum up the job of, a, of, the, teen, of, the, of the youth. And, uh, man, the difference was night and day. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way that they should go, and when he is old, he shall not depart from it. So the parent's job is to train up a child. That train means to teach the rudimentaries of life. That's what it means. It means to teach the rudimentaries of life. Teach, teach them how to cook. Teach them how to clean. Teach them how to take care of the household. Teach them a work ethic. Teach them to read, write, do math. Teach them the basic skills of life. Teach them how to do their laundry, how to put on clothes. Teach them the basic skills of life, which is a hard job in and of itself. But that was the extent, but that's the extent of the parent's job. Teach them. Teach them to follow God. Train them to follow God. Teach them the, rudim the rudimentaries of life. And it says train up a child. That word child means from birth to adolescence. From zero to about the age of 12 in biblical terminology. At the age of 12, you become what's called a young adult. Once you become a young adult, your parents' job switches from training to guiding. And that job never ends. 
it goes from training to guiding. And that job never ends. So in our youth group, we never called our teenagers children. We always called them young adults because that's what God called them. And then I said, okay, young adults, youth, children, here's your job. Go to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. And we summed up y'all's job in one sentence. One sentence. We summed up your job. Now, we're all adults in here, but we all have mothers and fathers. So this is scripture applies to all of us. It says, honor thy father, uh, verse 12, honor thy father and thy mother. Today's Mother's Day. How do we honor our mothers? I'm so glad you asked. And here's what, and this is the only commandment that comes with a promise. He said, honor thy father and thy mother, colon, here comes a problem, here comes the promise that uh, your days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. He said, honor your parents, and I am going to make your days long. You want to live a long life? Honor your parents. Honor? Well, that can't be too hard. (laughs) I'm so glad y'all thought that. No. I said, so first I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, this is odd that this is the one scripture that you gave a promise to. And he said, yep. And I said, why is that, Lord? He said, because i got to earn it. So I thought, well, that's interesting. Well, the only thing he told him to do was honor. So I went and looked up honor in the original Hebrew. And you know what the definition is? They know because they've had it preached to them. It's hard. Four little words. Honor is a four-letter word. H-A-R-D. Honor is hard. And I said, Lord, uh, I, I, I need more help on this. And I said, I, 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 I'm, I'm not sure I'm quite getting this. So I said, well, let me go look in the old, old, old English dictionary about what honor is. And you know what I found? I found a four-page definition. Four page definition and i'm talking front and back four page definition and it includes things like use your manners if you don't use your manners you're dishonoring your parent it includes things like don't use any profanity don't use any sarcasm keep your conversation clean It means to keep yourself pure in your dress, in your behavior, and in your physical body. Keep yourself pure. In other words, don't have sex outside of marriage. Don't be making out with every, you know, Tom, Joe, and Harry. And that just really boggles my mind. That just confuses me. This generation, generation present before you generation, These generations, I think this has been going on for a long, long, long time. These generations think that it's just fine to just kiss and make out and touch whatever they feel like touching on another person's body, and it's all good and it's all well and it's all fine uh, because, well, we ain't married. Exactly. You ain't married to them. Keep your hands off of them. How did we get here, Lord Jesus? How do we get here? That's part of the definition. 
Everywhere you go, have you ever gone somewhere and you've done something nice and somebody said to you, man, your parents taught you right? Why do they say that? Because you're showing honor. You can have zero contact with your parents because I know some people have, uh, have abusive parents and things like that and it's better for them to be cut off and not have that influence in their life and I understand that. But you can still honor your parents even if they are bad parents. And you honor them by your lifestyle. Don't get drunk. Don't get high. Keep yourself clean. Keep yourself pure. Don't be, a, don't be a partier. Don't be rebellious. It literally means hard means don't be rebellious. It means to keep your flesh in check. In other words, the way you walk, your, everything you do in life is a reflection on your parents. It's a reflection. The way you talk, the way you behave, the way you act, it's all a reflection of your parents. And so uh, we, and, and that's what it means to honor our mothers and our fathers. And God said, and, and this is what God said. He said, I'm telling you to, uh, to keep yourself pure in every way of life so that whoever, whoever comes in contact with you, they'll have a high opinion of your parents. They'll have a high opinion of your parents. You know, and if your parents didn't teach you how to, there's somebody in your life that has taught you how. There's somebody in your life that will come along that will teach you. You know, and if that's the person that teaches you and then somebody says to you, man, your parents must have taught you well, you don't need to go, well, actually, no, my parents didn't teach me well. Uh, So-and-so down the road taught me well. Don't worry about it. God knows. God knows. God knows. Yeah, just give that honor. Just let them have the honor. It doesn't hurt them. It doesn't hurt you in any way just to let them have that honor. Just let them have it. And so we want to honor our parents today. And I preached last year. I, I was going through and I was taking care of some stuff with our with our with our past stuff. And I realized last year I preached a sermon, the best Mother's Day gift. And the best Mother's Day gift you can give your mother, your grandmother, whoever has raised you appropriately, the best gift you can give them is to live for Christ. That is the best gift you can give. If your mother has already moved over to eternity, she is, spirit, she is aware of how you're doing spiritually. So even if, they, if, even if your mother has stepped over into eternity, she's aware of how you're doing spiritually. So if you're living for Christ and you're doing for Christ and you're following Christ, she's aware and it's a gift to her. If she's here on the earth and you get to, and you get to spend time with her and she gets to watch you living for Christ, it's a gift to her. If she's here on the earth but you never have any interaction with her because of, uh, because of a hard relationship or because of her hard situation, she'll get reports of how you're doing and that will be an honor to her. That will be good to her. And yes, they're going to try to take credit for it. Let them. They didn't do everything wrong. They didn't do everything wrong. You know, mothers have a hard job. Mothers, uh, you know, they hold you and feel hopeless when you're sick, when you're a sick baby. When you're, a, when you're an emotional teenager and you're disrespectful and you're stomping through the house with an attitude and slamming doors and saying, I hate you. And their heart breaks, they're still there. You know, they're crying and saying, but Father, I love them with everything in me. You know, when you're, when you're acting all crazy, they're there. 
They're praying. They're holding the ground. You know, I, have you ever been told when you got punished or spanked, this hurts you more than it hurts me? <laughs> I got news for you. I got news for you. It's true. I didn't think it was. Now, I don't have natural children, but I have spiritual children, and I'm telling you, it hurts when you have to correct them. It hurts when you have to get hard on them. It hurts because you're concerned that they don't misunderstand. It hurts because you know that their feelings in the moment got hurt, but in the end, you know you're helping them. And so mothers do have a hard job. They do. And for that cause, and, and here's the deal to, to all of our women in the house. Uh, even if you don't have natural children, every single one of you have, has mothered somebody. And all of, and our women that have uh, natural children that are in the house, not only have you mothered your natural children, but you've also mothered their friends. You've also mothered other younger people in your life. Uh, some of you have actually even adopted children and raised children that were not your own. And that's the heart of God. And that is the heart of God. Uh, Zach, if you'll come help me. Uh, and because of that, because of that, because that it is your heart, I have, Pastor Mike and I have a, just a little token and a little gift for each one of our mothers. Um, if you'll just hand those to our ladies. Just a little token and a little gift to say thank you for being an outstanding mom and doing the best job that you could do. We know you didn't always get it right. You know that you didn't, we know that you didn't always get it right. We know that you've had hard days. We know that you've had days that you just wanted uh, to quit and give up and said, and you've cried tears and you've prayed and you've said, Lord, I don't know if I can continue, but you've continued. You've stayed in the race and you've run. And so we just want to bless every single mom in the house today and just want you to know that you have uh, done your jobs well. You have all done your jobs well. And so it's just a little token just to tell you we love you. We appreciate you. You've raised your children well. And, you know, and I know some of you didn't raise your children necessarily with God, but now at this point in your life you're pointing them to God. So please don't feel like you failed your children no matter where they're at in life, no matter what struggles they're having, no matter what drama they're going through. Know that you did not fail your children. And we just love you greatly. And on that note, let me just pray a blessing over all of the moms and all of our ladies. And then we'll uh, get into the rest of today's sermon. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we love each and every one of these women. Father, we love them so much. Father, we know, the, we know some of the struggles, some of the heartaches, some of the difficulties. But we also know that they've had wonderful memories. They've had wonderful moments. They had those moments when they saw their children learn something or come to know something or grow into wonderful young men and young women and, and, and to serve God. And, Father, there's some that are believing for their children to come into the service of God. And, Father, we know that you hear those prayers and that those prayers will not return void. And so, Father, we thank you for these women. We ask that you strengthen them, that you equip them, and that you continue to help them um, because, Father, their job is never done. And so even when, they, even when they step over into eternity, their job is not done as mom. They'll continue to pray for them. They'll continue to lift them up. They'll continue to care for them in the spirit. And so, Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. 
And uh, amen and amen. We thank you, Father. So, ladies, we love you all. Glory to God. Well, uh, we were talking about baptism. And uh, last week, if you'll recall, I had my little duck eggs up here. And I said, these were my people. And we put our people in, in, the, in the hidden place of the living water. And while, they, while our little eggs were in the hidden place of living water, how much do you know the inside changed? They came into the knowledge of Christ and the inside changed. I'm talking about boiling an egg. When you put an egg in water that's rolling and assembles something being alive, how much do you know it changes the inside? Well, that's what it's like to come into Christ when you get baptized. We learned this about the word baptize. It actually uh, comes from... Um, a wonderful Greek word. Uh, it actually comes from a wonderful Greek word that means uh, to be a washing, a purification. Um, it means to be affected by means of water. It means to... Um, uh, there, one of the definitions means um, ablution which is a ceremonial act of washing parts of the body or, a, or sacred containers. Uh, when we come into Christ, we become sacred containers. And so when we're baptized, it's a washing of a, a sacred container. Actually, um, when you're born, when Jesus form, when the Father God forms you in your mother's womb, you are actually at that point a sacred container. It's just sometimes uh, at some point in life we end up rejecting God through sin and um, we no longer, uh, our sacred container gets very filthy and very dirty and very marked um, up. And, and so in order to be able to be a sacred container again, you've got to be washed. And that's what baptized means. Another, another way to uh, word this word baptized, um, that word baptized comes the word comes from the word baptizo, um, and baptizo means to dip repeatedly, to immerse or to submerge, to cleanse by dipping or submerging to wash, to make clean with water, to bathe or to overwhelm. You know, when you are in your kitchen and you fill up a, a, a sink full of water and you dip your dishes in there, you're baptizing them. And you're washing them, and you're cleaning them, and you're changing them. Sometimes, some of the things of God, we get such a holy high thought about it, but we, that we never think about the simplicity of God. And so sometimes you kind of gotta, you gotta kind of pull things back, and you gotta look at the simplicity of God. And that word baptizo comes from the word bapto. Bapto, and pap, bapto means to dip, or to dip in, or immerse. Um, or specifically, really what it truly means is it means to dip into dye or stain, uh, to cover wholly with the fluid. So really what, what's at the root of the word baptize means to dip into a dye or dip into a solution that brings change. That's what, baptize, that's what it means to be baptized is you're submerged repeatedly. Over and over and over, you're continually dipped and submerged until change comes. Until change comes. And uh, 
what we get dipped in is the living word of Christ, the living water of Christ. I want you to go to um, Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. And we used um, a visual aid last week. I don't, all, very, I don't always use visual aids, but when the Lord prompts me, I want to be obedient. And he showed us how um, you can boil an egg and the inside changes, but the outside looks exactly the same. And that's exactly what happens when you are born again. When you are born again, when you receive Jesus for the first time, or when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I should say it that way. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, like you truly in your heart say, yep, he's my Lord, he's my Savior. What happens, and you make that confession, what happens is you are dipped in the living water of Christ, and he changes you immediately on the inside. And that's when you become that new creature or that new creation in Christ. The only problem is, is the change is on the inside, not the outside. And so many people say, well, I'm the same as I've always been. I go about life I've always been, but I got my ticket punched to heaven, and when I get to heaven, I'll change. No, you changed the minute you did Romans 10:9. The minute that you said, I believe that the Father God raised Jesus from the dead, and I choose to make him the Lord of my life, instantly you're dipped, and instantly you're changed. Instantly. Uh, God's very quick. However, that change is not always instant to show up. So we showed you last week that you have to continually be dipped in the things of God. And as you're dipped continually, the outside begins to change. And the more you're dipped and the more you're soaked and the more you're in the things of God, eventually what's on the inside will show up on the outside. You know, I showed you that. You remember I put the egg in the yellow dye? And because, you know, when you boil an egg, an egg is yellow on the inside after you've boiled it. You know, it's got a nice fluffy inside. Everybody likes the yolk, right? You know, it's just full of just yummy goodness, right? And, uh, and, and uh, you know, but that doesn't show up on the outside. And so we dipped the egg in, in the yellow dye. And, and you know, that, that changed the outside. Well, changing the outside took effort. We had to go, and we had a purposeful effort, and we had to change it. But there was the middle between what was completely on the inside and what was showing up on the outside that was not yet really, I mean, there was a change, but it wasn't changed. It wasn't the same as the middle. And so you had to keep dipping, and we have to keep dipping, and we have to keep dipping, and we have to soak in the presence of God. And eventually what will happen is you'll be, is the light that's on the inside, the minute that you receive Jesus Christ will eventually radiate through the entire egg so to speak through your entire being and 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 you'll be you'll have the light of god all the way through you inside and out inside and out so to begin to walk in the things of christ you've got to put some effort into changing the outside but as you put effort into changing the outside the inside begins to work with the outside and before you know it you got the light of god shining all the way through you just like if you took that egg and left it in that yellow dye for, you know, weeks or months or however long it took, eventually that egg, you could peel it, and even the, yo- the, the, the white of the egg, the yolk, the whole egg would be yellow. It's the same thing with God, but it's a process of time. It's a process of time. So I want you to look right here at Jeremiah chapter 2. 
uh, and here uh, the Father God is speaking through Jeremiah to, to the Israelites. And look at verse 13. Look at verse 13. And this is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. And he says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of what? Living waters. And hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. That's what we are when we give our life to sin, is we, is we break our ability to carry God with us. And the only way to, to fix ourselves is to come back into Christ and to be filled and flooded with that living water. Jesus is the living water. The Father God is the living water. Now, let's turn over to chapter 17. Chapter 17. I just want to show you that the Bible does refer to Jesus as the living water. Uh, Jeremiah 17, verse 13. He says, here the Lord says, O Lord, the hope for Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed. All that, all that forsake Jesus will eventually be ashamed. He said, and they that depart from me shall be written in the earth. Just like, you know, God has, you know, the devil has a counterfeit for everything that God has. And just like the indication here is just like God has a book of life, Satan has a book of death. That's what's indicated here. He said, because he says, um, he, he, he says right here, he says, and they that departed from me shall be written in the earth. The Bible tells us that hell is in the middle of the earth. And so just like God has a book of life, Satan has a book of death. And you don't want your name written in the book of death. You don't want your name blotted out of the book of life. And uh, he says, because they, and here's why this happens. Because they, or you, or me, have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. The fountain of living water. So, so you know, a fountain is alive. A fountain is active. A fountain is, is refreshing. Um, you know, and I said earlier, sometimes you've got to break, the, the, break down the things of God and just make it plain and simple. Uh, everybody knows we have dogs. And um, our dogs have, are very fussy when it comes to their water dishes. They are very fussy. And so we have two water dishes in our house that are fountains. And that's the only thing they will drink out of. The only way that they'll drink out of uh, anything other than that is if we take it to the sink and we clean it and we put fresh water in it and set it down. Then they'll immediately come over, they'll drink out of it, and then they'll go good. But once that water gets a little bit stagnant, they won't touch it. Why? Because it's not fresh, it's not refreshing, there's no life in it. They want the water that has life in it. They want that moving water. They want the fountain water. We as Christians, we have the fountain of living water on the inside of us. How do we get it? We get baptized in the Father God. We get baptized in Christ. Now, as I said, baptism means to be soaked and submerged. Now, let's go to the New Testament, and let's look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3. 
We're talking about baptisms that are available to the believer today. Baptism, really all of these baptisms are available to every person. They're available to every person. You have to do, uh, you have to do, uh, be baptized in Christ first, which means to be totally submerged in Christ, which means the new birth or the baptism of salvation. Uh, but um, <clears throat> that one comes first, and then there's other baptisms that follow. John chapter 3, verse 22, uh, look at what's said here. This is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. So Jesus has been teaching. Uh, Jesus has been talking. Uh, so he's been teaching. And he says, after these things came Jesus and his disciples to the land of Judea. And there he tarried with them and baptized. Jesus even baptized people. Jesus even baptized people. We looked at John. We looked at Matthew last week. Hold your spot right here and go to Matthew um, chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. You know, Jesus came to John the Baptist who was baptizing at the River Jordan. And where he was baptizing at the River Jordan was on a, was on a main highway or a main roadway into uh, Judea and uh, into Judea and and uh, to Jordan and into those areas, and uh, so he was on a major highway uh, uh, where travelers were coming. And here's the other thing you need to understand: that when most people were traveling, they were traveling with their family and or friends. Most people did not travel the roads alone. Most people did not. So they're traveling, and they come upon John who's in the River Jordan, and he's saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they're going, wait, what? And repent means change. And John challenges them to change their direction and to be baptized onto repentance for the remission of sins. That's what he's baptizing them for, is for the remission of sins. And uh, remission means to have your slate washed clean as though they had never happened before. And remission is only available one time. One time. It's kind of like, think of it like this. If you have a criminal record and you want to have your record expunged, you only get that privilege once. You only get it once. They expunge the record and they stamp you as having an expunged record, which means Yes, once upon a time you had criminal charges, but all of those criminal charges have been erased. We don't know what they are. We have no record of them. We erase the record, but we do know that you've been expunged or you've had remission. And if you get more criminal charges and you go back before the judge and you say, I need to be expunged, uh, I, I want to have my record expunged again, he says, no, you got that privilege once already. You already got that privilege once. You don't get that again. Well, it's the same thing in the spirit. Jesus is receiving Jesus gives us the remission or the expunging of our sin record. Then after that, this is why Jesus said, come and sin no more. Because he gives us the power and ability over sin. Well, but pastor, we're just babies in this and we haven't learned how to control the flesh. I know. And so does the father, which is why he gave us repentance. Repentance is not simply saying, Father, forgive me. Repentance is making the heart decision to change. 
to not make that sin or do that sin anymore. Why? Because Jesus gave us power over sin. He defeated sin. And now he lives on the inside of us, and the Holy Ghost lives on the inside of us. And when we're about to sin, there's a scratch on the inside. The Holy Ghost goes, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. And we have an obligation to listen and to obey. But if we miss it, we can go back to the Father wholeheartedly and say, I missed it. I messed up. I made a mistake. And then you can repent, and then that sin gets washed off your record. But repent, And you can repent as many times as it takes to get your walk right. But there's only one remission. In fact, in the book of Hebrew, in the book of Hebrews, uh, Paul asked, um, if, you, if you receive Jesus and you go right back out into, uh, I'm summarizing, and you go right back out into a sinner's world, then who are you going to use as your sacrifice to wash your sins away? Because there's not another one coming. There's not another one coming. This is why it's not okay for Christians to go sin and 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 sin because how are you going to remember them all to repent for them all? We in the church do people a great injustice and when we say just pray the backslider's prayer and get, and get your slate washed clean and start living for Jesus again because that's not in the scriptures. That's not in there. I distinctly remember after living in the world for 12 years and thinking I was still headed to heaven and just having an emptiness on the inside that was growing, I remember coming back to God and my pastor preaching about the new birth and the baptism. And he, and he talked about um, if you've never prayed the prayer of salvation, if you don't have that witness on the inside that you're born again, that you're headed to heaven, that the Holy Ghost lives in you, then you need to pray that prayer. And I distinctly remember telling the Lord, Lord, I've done that. I've, I've had that witness all the days of my life. Now, granted, here in the last few years, it's gotten pretty weak. Why? Because I was working to lose my salvation. Listen, once saved, always saved is not true according to the scriptures. Once you obtain something, you have to maintain something. Once you obtain it, you have to maintain it. If that's not so, then why did Jesus say that in the last days many would depart from the faith? In order to depart, you have to be in. In order to depart, you have to be in. There's many in here that say, I was raised as a Christian. I believed in God. I was going, I was, I was, I mean, I, I, I had it. And then I went into the world and I, and I got so far from God, I couldn't find him if I tried to. Why? They were working hard to lose their salvation. Now listen, with me saying that, don't think that your salvation is fragile. Because it's not fragile. God is full of mercy and God is full of grace and he judges you according to the knowledge of your heart and what you have revelation on in your heart. And he's a very fair God. He's a very fair God. But he said, when, when he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it meant that God's at hand right now, heaven's available right now, and then when he, would, when he would heal people, when he would set people free, remember the woman that they caught in the midst of adultery and they brought her before Jesus in a public place and all the men were there ready to stone her? And he looked at them and said, uh, he who has no sin, let him cast the first stone. And, he, and, 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 you know, and she's there on the ground waiting to be stoned to death, 
half naked, maybe completely naked, because she was in the midst of adultery. I mean, she was in the act. My question is, is where was the man that was in the midst? Where was the man that was in the midst? But they caught her in the act, and Jesus said, he that has no sin, let him cast the first stone. And they all went, mm. And he said to her, he said, daughter, where's your accusers? And she looked up, and she found nobody there to stone her. And then he looked at her, and he said, he said, daughter, go and sin no more. And he told people this repeatedly. He'd heal people and tell them, go and sin no more. He'd tell them repeatedly, go and sin no more. If Jesus told us to go and sin no more, he would be unjust to tell us to sin no more if we were unable, if we were unable to not to avoid sin. If we had no control, no authority, no power, no ability to overcome that, that desire to do wrong when we knew to do right, and Jesus said, well, I know you have no ability, but don't do it anyways, he would be an unjust God. Why did he tell us not to sin anymore? Because we've been baptized in him. We've been submerged in him. We've been submerged in living water, and he's changed us on the inside. And now on the inside, when our flesh says, no, when, when our flesh says, yeah, I want to do that, we have the ability on the inside to say, no, you're not going to do that. Now, is it easy? No, it's not easy. Listen. Miss Bridget called me out at Zach's birthday party, and I'm thankful that she did because it helped me because the Lord told me some time ago to stop drinking Coke because it was causing me some problems. But then I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, I, I like to go to the movie, and I like to have a Coke, and I like to have a popcorn. Is that okay? And he said, yes, you may treat yourself once in a while. Well, I took that as an excuse to treat myself frequently. I've had a rough day. I get a treat. I'm having an emotional day. I get a treat. So I was exhausted. I was tired. And I wanted a little pick-me-up. So I treated myself to a Coke and to a glass of water. And she, said, she looked right over at me. She said, Pastor, what is in your cup? And I said, yes, I'm in sin. No, no, it was fine. She was... She, and honestly, she said, and honestly, she did it as an open door to say, Pastor, honestly, I'm having some problems right now, and I could use some support. So I get where you're at. And I said, okay. I said, okay, great. But listen, that's what God called us to do is to help each other. She was saying to me, what she was saying to me is, Pastor, you've got power over that thing. You've got power over it. Well, guess what? You're right. I do. And so guess what? No more Cokes, people. Come on. Let's start again. Repent and move on. But here's the deal. If I just sit and drink Cokes for the rest of my life and never repent, I'll give an account to the Father. And if I open that door, then I'll open another door. And if I open those two doors, then I open another door. And you open three doors and you open four doors. And before you know it, you're so far and so deep into sin, you can't find God if you tried. So anyways, I said all that to say, you know, my pastor was saying, you know, if you haven't received Christ, and I got to thinking about that, and I thought, no, Lord, I have received Christ. I know that I'm born again. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm heaven-bound. But, Lord, if there's anything in me that's causing that to, to not be so and to not be true, help me with it. 
And the next thing I knew, I boohooed and cried in every church service for the next six months. And I'm not talking baby tears. I'm not talking. Y'all have heard me laugh in the Holy Ghost. Honey, I cried just as, ba- just as, just as emotionally and just as, I mean, to the point, to the point that, that when, God, when God got done with me and then he got me filled with the joy of the Holy Ghost, my pastor came to me and said, oh, thank God. <laughs> he did. He said, oh, thank God. And I said, why? He said, I did not know what to do with you. He said, I mean, because it was wailing tears. What was God doing? He was having me repent for every sin I had committed over those 12 years that I walked away from him. Every single worship service, God was bringing reminders to me of things that I had done. And I said, Father, I'm so sorry. Father, I'm so sorry. Father, I'm so sorry. Father, I'm sorry I did that. Father, there's more than I can remember, but Father, forgive me for all that I've done. What is that? That's a heart of repentance. That's a heart of repentance. What was God doing? He was washing. He was cleansing. He was baptizing me in his presence. That's one form of baptism is to be baptized into Christ. And that process starts with the receiving of God. I got you over here in Matthew chapter 3. I want you to see this. Uh, John is preaching. And John said, and John tells them, there's one coming whose shoes I'm not even worthy to carry. He said, I'm not even worthy to carry his shoes. But then look at verse 13. He says, then cometh Jesus of Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. And John forbade him. John said, I'm not baptizing you. Look at it. He said, said, I'm not baptizing you. He, He forbade him. He said, I have need to be baptized of thee, and thou comest to me? John said, listen, what I'm doing is water baptism. He said, but Jesus, you came with a greater baptism. John wasn't saying, Jesus, I need you to dunk me in the water. That's not what he was saying. That is not, he said, what John was saying is, I need to be baptized in you the living water of God. I need to be born again. I need to be immersed in the fullness of God. I need to be changed on the inside. And Jesus said, he said, John, he said, John, suffer me. He said, John, suffer me. That it to be so is italicized, which means the translators put it in there to help us understand what was being said. But what Jesus said is he said, suffer now. He said, John, even though, even though you don't fully understand what God's doing, this is the way God's doing things here and now. And uh, he said, so just go ahead and permit it. He said, basically what he said is, John, you're right. You do need to be baptized by me. But first, I need you to baptize me, so permit it. He said, and this is why he told him to permit it. He said, for this is becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. He said, this process, this, this water baptism is to show that all righteousness is being fulfilled. At this point, Jesus and John were operating under the Old Testament. They were operating under Old Testament. You have to understand when you read the Gospels, 
what they did, they did under the law because Jesus had not yet been dead, buried, resurrected, and ascended. The new covenant had not yet been put in place. The old covenant was coming to an end, and the new covenant was coming into place. So under the so so this water baptism at this time with John the Baptist and Jesus and Jesus baptizing people in the water and John baptizing people in the water this was the transition between the Old Testament where they had to sacrifice bulls, goats and uh turtle doves for sin sacrifice and pigeons. It was go, we, he was moving us from from a physical uh, uh, physical sacrifices and having to have the priest sprinkle you with blood. I talked about that last week. Aren't you so glad that you don't that you guys don't have to come in here with you, you know, with your horse trailers, with your bulls and your lambs and your goats and your birds in cages? And Pastor Mike and I don't have to get up there at the altar and slit these things and 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 do this with their inner parts and do this with their outer parts and burn this and. Because burning flesh doesn't smell good. And you got all that blood, so you got all those flies. You know, we're in a tent, we'd be doing this. And then we'd be taking the blood on the hyssop, we'd be dipping it like they did there in Israel. And we'd be dipping the hyssop and we'd be slinging it on you. When they went to church in the Old Testament, everybody knew when you went to, if you went to church or not because you had fresh blood sprinkled on you. Every time I preach the word, what am I doing? I'm sprinkling you with the blood. Every time. I like the way we spread the blood in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, they were moving us from that process into the process of baptisms. And it started with water baptism. So at that, pro- at that point in time, in order to get into the flow of God, you had to be water baptized to be saved. However, in the new, now that the New Testament is completely sealed with Jesus... Now you first get baptized in living water. Then, when we get water baptized, what the water baptism is, is to show that we've been buried with Christ on the inside, in the spirit realm, and now we're risen to life with him. And, and, and so it's an outward showing, it's an outward display. Go to, uh, Go back to John 3 where you were. I just want to see, show you this. He's acting under Old Testament. He's in the process of switching from sacrificing animals for the washing of sin or the covering of sin to being baptized, which is the washing of sin. And so here in John 3, 22, it says, And after these things came Jesus and his disciples onto the land of Judea, and there he tarried or waited and spent some time with them, and baptized. And John also baptizing in Aaron uh, near uh, Salem uh, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. So John the Baptist was baptizing at the same time Jesus was. John didn't stop doing his work just because Jesus showed up. Because John was helping to get people in to the kingdom of God in their day and in their dispensation. He was helping to establish the change of what God was doing. And uh, and it says, um, For John was not yet cast into prison, verse 25, and there arose a question between 
um, some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. Because in the Old Testament, the priest would go and wash and be purified before they would do the sin sacrifices. That's what they would do. And uh, before they would do the sin sacrifices, they would purify. And so they were going, why are these people dipping and purifying when they're not of the priesthood? How much do you know? Uh, when Jesus, when we come into Christ, we're a royal priesthood. So they were questioning this change that was occurring. And, um, and they came to John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond the Jordan to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth all men come to him. Notice it says all men. All men come to him. Actually, it says all come, men is italicized. He said all come to him. In other words, they're going, uh, uh, John, you baptize this Jesus, but yet everybody's going to him. Like they're going, we don't understand this. We don't comprehend this, what's happening. And John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it is given him from heaven. In other words, what John said is, yes, he's baptizing because he's been given the power, the authority, and the might to baptize from heaven. In other words, John said he's not doing anything wrong. He's doing exactly what's right. Uh, real quick, jump over to chapter, for sake of time, jump over to chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, and w- and it says when therefore the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, <laughs> uh, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples. In other words, Jesus didn't baptize. Jesus, here's the thing. Jesus did not baptize, did not water baptize any person unless they were his disciple, unless they were his student. So one of the qualifications for being water baptized in the New Testament under the leadership of Jesus is you must first be a disciple, a student of Jesus. Jesus didn't come just to save the world. Jesus came to make disciples. The word disciple means to be a student, to be an apprentice, to work to become like the master. And notice what it says. It says, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples. In other words, he only baptized those people that were following him. They were, he was only baptizing the people that were following him. This is why water baptism in the New Testament comes after the new birth. Water baptism does not get you saved and heaven bound. Water baptism comes after you have already received Jesus. Afterwards. All right. I want you to go to, um, jump over to verse 20. I think that's where we need to go. I think that's where I want to go right now. Um, Actually, let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. I want you to see this because we're coming up on time for today. There's a lot about baptism, and I don't want to rush this. Come on. Who's, where, where did my Hebrews go? There we go. Hebrews chapter 6. 
verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 and 2. So this is, I believe that there's a lot of debate about who wrote Hebrews. Uh, I believe that Hebrews was written by Paul. Jesus himself told Kenneth E. Hagin that Paul wrote Hebrews. Uh, many scholars believe that Paul wrote Hebrews. Uh, so I'm going to say that Paul wrote this by the unction of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Hebrews 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. This does not mean we're supposed to leave Christ. What he's talking about is, he, is he's saying leave the principles of Christ in place. He said leave them in place. Let us go on to perfection. In other words, don't get away from these things. Leave these things in place. Stay with these doctrines, these teachings, these principles. And, and, and not only these, but also grow and mature in the, in the deeper things of God. So the basics of Christ is, um, he says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Listen, your works do not save you. Many people say, well, they're a good person, they do good works, therefore they deserve to go to heaven. Yes, people do good works. And yes, people have a right, the people should be able to go to heaven. And they can. All they have to do is receive Jesus. That's all they have to do is receive Jesus. But so many people say, um, but they do good things. But yes, they do good things, but they're also sinners. They also do things that are wrong. And you can say, well, they've never murdered anybody. Are you sure? Did they ever ruin somebody's character? And he said, he said, you know, well, I've never committed adultery. Have you ever lusted anybody, lusted for anybody in your heart? He says, because if you have, you've already committed com uh, adultery. You know, if you've already, if you're already imagining and picturing yourself getting with them, you are, you've already committed adultery. Adultery is not only physical; it's also being intimate with somebody that's not your partner, emotionally, intellectually. It's, it's a level of intimacy that's reserved for marriage. Have you ever, well, I'm not a thief. Are you sure? Did you ever take anything that didn't belong to you? Uh, well, no, I don't think so. Really? Have you, ever, have you ever taken the pen from the restaurant? Have you ever taken the pen from the cashiers? Did you ever take a, a pen in school that didn't belong to you? Did you ever go to the restaurant and take something that didn't belong to you, that you didn't, that you didn't request? I know people do this all the time. They just walk into a restaurant, grab a handful of napkins, whole bunch of ketchup packages and whatever else, straws and whatever else, and they turn around and walk out the door. That's thieving. That's stealing. Did you ever steal your boss's time? You know, you're on their clock. You're being paid to work, and you're sitting on your phone. Did you steal your teacher's time? Sitting and talking and wasting time in class? No, that's a thief. Did you ever tell a lie? I only tell white lies. Honey, there's no white lies. There's lies. See, you can be a perfectly good person, but you can still sin and miss the mark. And, and that sin will take you to hell. So he said, he said, let's not lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works. Listen, if you're working, if you're doing good works, but you don't have Jesus, your works aren't going to gain you a thing. They're not. He said, and faith toward God. God is a faith God. You have to have faith in him. Faith is simply trusting that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. And if you have an issue with trust, then you just need to step out and give him the opportunity to prove to you that he is who he says he is. And I guarantee you he is. 
Now check this one out. Of the doctrine of baptisms. Baptism. Not the doctrine of baptism. The doctrine of baptisms. In other words, there's multiple baptisms, and these are the basic rudimentaries of Christ. Don't pull away. Don't leave out. Don't forget uh, the laying on of hands. It's scriptural. Jesus did it. We should do it. As the Spirit leads, lay hands on on, uh, people in prayer. And the resurrection of the dead, don't get away from that. Um, and don't get away from eternal judgment. There is a doctrine out there in the church world today that says everybody goes to heaven and there is no judgment. No, honey, there is a judgment. (laughs) You need to go back and read the book. There is a judgment. There is a heaven to have and a hell to shun. There is the judgment seat of Christ, which is what you want, because really that's the reward seat. And then there's the judgment of the great white throne. You don't want that. But before you ever even get there, There's the judgment of the rapture of the church. When Jesus calls the church away, those that are living righteous, following God, that are practicing these things, will go in the rapture. Those that that claim Jesus and are living filthy and living dirty and living ugly, and, I mean, you'd look at them and swear they're serving the devil. Uh, Jesus is a righteous judge. He's going to leave you here to go through the rapture, so maybe you'll get your act right. It's a, it's a wonderful mercy. It's honestly the biggest act of mercy God could do. It really is. The tribulation is, the wonderful, is a wonderful act of mercy. So there are, there are several baptisms. The first is being baptized in the living water, which is the Lord Jesus. That's the new birth. That's saying, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. You, this first baptism, this first being dipped in God that brings change is in Romans 10, 9. We've been looking at it for weeks. And why have we been looking at it for weeks? Because we don't fully understand what occurs at this moment. We don't fully understand it. Go to Romans 10. Romans 10, verse 9. The last word in this verse is the word saved. This word saved in the original Greek is the word sozo, S-O-Z-O. It's pronounced S-O-D-O, S-O-D-Z-O, sozo. And this word sozo means to be made completely whole, spirit, soul, and body, to be completely whole. So we could read this verse this way and do no harm whatsoever to the scriptures, that if Thou shalt, or if you shall confess with thy mouth, with your mouth, the Lord Jesus. Notice it says the Lord, not the Savior, the Lord, the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be made completely whole, spirit, soul, and body. This is the moment that you are made a brand new creature. This is the moment that you are dipped in living water and spirit, and on the inside you instantly become brand new. Instantly. Then, uh, and, and what this looks like, go to Romans. We're right here in Romans. Flip back to chapter 6. What happened in the spirit realm is this right here. 
He said, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Actually, let's go to verse 1. It's just better. You just got to see the whole thing. He says, what say thee? Shall we continue in sin that, the gra that grace may abound? This, this hyper grace message was even back here in Paul's day. He said, what are we supposed to do? Just go ahead and live sinfully so that the grace of God can abound? Um, <laughs> what, Paul's answer was real clear. God forbid. God forbid. He said, no, that's not what we do. He said, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Notice what he said. We're dead to sin. And, this is, and then he goes on to explain it. He says, know you not that so many of us were baptized in, in Jesus Christ? Were baptized into what? His death. When we are dipped in that living water, we are also baptized in his death. Why? Because his death overcame sin. He says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. In, uh, onto death. In other words, we were completely submerged in Christ. And when we were completely submerged in Christ, when we submerged ourselves, spiritually speaking, in the living water of God, we died spiritually to, to sin and death. He said that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. So obviously we didn't physically die like Jesus died. We spiritually died like he physically died. And now we get to walk in the newness of life. Now we get to walk as new creatures in Christ now we get to walk as though as Jesus walked. Why? Because he gave us the power, might, ability, and dominion to do so. Go to Colossians 2.12. Colossians 2.12. Well, actually, we're going to look at verse 11. He says, in whom also you are circumcised with the, circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In the Old Testament, in order to show that you belong to God, the men went through a very uncomfortable, fleshy procedure where a very intimate part of their flesh was cut off of them. Not being crude, but the way they dressed, they didn't have undergarments, and they wore kind of shorter tunics. And so there were occasions that people would be able to visibly see they've been circumcised, they belong to God. It was culture. That is not our culture, so you men don't go get you a short tunic and don't wear any underwear. That's not culture today. Why? Because that's not how we know that you belong to God. Now we know that you belong to God because you've been circumcised in the heart. You've been circumcised in the spirit by the hand of God. Your circumcision is that you were buried with him in baptism. Wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. 
Water baptism is a, out, is a public display of the circumcision that has taken place on the inside. Just like they had a public display in the Old Testament, we have a public display in the New Testament. It's called water baptism. And what we do is we simulate you dying to cry, you dying which is to, to yourself, dying to sin, choosing, choosing to say, I have been buried with Christ. And so we take you and we bury you in water, <clears throat> which symbolizes you being buried in the living water of God. And then we raise you up a brand new creature in Christ. Now, this raising up does absolutely nothing for you physically, mentally, or even spiritually. <clears throat> it's a public display. It's a public declaration of you saying there's been a change on the inside. Now, I am going to work to change the outside so that my outside looks just like my inside. I am publicly declaring I am now dead to sin. And I'm going to work really hard not to sin. Jesus is going to help me. If I sin, I'll repent. I'll make the adjustment. I'll begin to walk right. But, I, but, but come on, family and friends, watch me change and watch me become like Christ. That's what water baptism is for. That's the whole purpose of it. That's the whole purpose of it. And that's why I say invite friends and family. Invite people. Say, come on, I'm getting water baptized. This is a big deal. I'm different on the inside, and I'm making a declaration that I'm going to take what's on the inside, and I'm going to work to make it show up on the outside. That's what the whole thing's about. That's what the whole thing's about. Now, so we've talked about baptism in the living water of Christ, which is the new birth. We just explained what the baptism of water is. There's now the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which we'll talk about next week. And then there's, then there, and, and guess what? The baptism of Jesus, I did not know this. I did not know this until I was studying this, y'all. Being baptized in the living word of God is a, is, a, is a thing that you can do repeatedly. No, you don't get born again, that's true. But every time you read the word, every time you, take, you come to church, every time you spend time in prayer, every time you spend time with God, you're dipping yourself in the living water and you're dipping repeatedly until change comes. That's being dipped repeatedly in the baptism of Christ. We've got, we've got, currently, we've got four people that are being water baptized. And of the four people that are being water baptized, all four of them have been water baptized in the past. But all four of them have said, but I didn't understand it back there like I understand it now. And now I'm making a deeper dedication. Now it's different. So you, there's no, it's not, man, I get water baptized, now I'm saved, my, book, my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that's it, I go. No, what you're saying is now I understand better what Jesus has done for me, and now I'm purposely going to make a public display that I have changed on the inside, and I am working to change on the outside. That's what it's for. And, if, and, and it's open to anybody. So if you say, hey, that's me, I, w I want to do this, just let us know. We'll, we'll water baptize you too. Because you've got to understand this. So the baptism of Christ, you can do it multiple times. Not, not the rebirth, but you can dip yourself in the living water repeatedly. You can dip yourself in water, making that public declaration as many times as you need to, to where you're comfortable. And you say, yeah, I mean, that was it. That was my moment. Some of, these were dedicated, some of these were water baptized as children, and they said, I didn't fully understand it. 
Some of them said, well, I, I understood I was being buried with Christ, but now I really get it. Now I really understand it. And that's fine. That's fine. And then the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a baptism that you can, that you can also be baptized in. You can be dipped, soaked in the, in, the, in the fullness of the Holy Ghost repeatedly. And this is why it's the doctrines of baptism. Because these are, ba- these are baptisms that can repeat. How much do you know you don't take one bath in your life? You don't take one bath in your life. <laughs> I mean, holy cow, we need some good filtration if we only took one bath in our life. Glory to God. No, just like you don't take one bath in your life, you need to, as a, as a believer in Christ, you need to take baths repeatedly. Baths repeatedly. Glory to God. So, Father, we thank you for your goodness. We love you, and we honor you, and we thank you. If our ushers will come, we'll do our tithes and offerings. I know it's Mother's Day, and everybody wants to spend time with the moms. We're so thrilled to have Miss Sandy with us today. Glory to God. Uh, she's definitely a mom in the faith, for sure, part of the family. Father, we just give you glory and honor. Father, as we prepare to give our tithes and our offerings, Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your understanding. Father, we thank you that we, be- that we know and understand better what it is to be a woman of God, to be a mother in the, in, in, in the body of Christ. Father, we thank you that we are beginning to understand baptisms more fully. And, Father, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Father, as our people sow tithes and offerings, Father, we just ask that you bless them abundantly. Now, Father, we know that not every seed produces a hundredfold, but we know that every seed produces. But, Father, we place our faith upon the hundredfold. And, Father, we're so thankful for it. And, Father, we give you glory and honor. Now, Satan, we take authority over you. We command you to release the people's money. We command you to release every area of finances. We command you to release uh, favor everywhere they go in Jesus' name. Angels, go out before them. Cause their ways to be prosperous. Cause money to come. Go fetch what belongs to them and bring it into the house in Jesus' mighty name. And, Father, we thank you for it. We thank you that the word is true and that the word is working. Amen and amen. Glory to God. You can serve the people. Thank you, thank you. Um, I totally... Zach, I'm sorry, I totally missed it. 